This is the Prima Fetishista. You're listening to the Fetish Dynasty podcast. Hey there, kinksters, freaks, rubber heads, sexy beasts. You are listening to episode three of the Fetish Dynasty podcast. Coming up will be part one of my conversation with mad scientist Anarchian from Kink Engineering. Stay tuned for my chat with the two of them after the break. Archean and Mad Scientists are the nicknames for a Toronto-based couple who founded Elastica Engineering, Kink Engineering, and SheetLatex.com. They have been quite successful in getting the word out to the fetish community that their product and level of service is top-notch. As one of the only sheet latex distributors in North America, they are serving a niche which was severely lacking on the North American continent. Famous for their vac beds and vac cubes and all kinds of other cool, sexy, custom latex creations, Kink Engineering is poised to become a major force in the fetish world. When we recorded the interview, Archean was preparing to compete in the Miss Rubber World pageant in New York. I'm very happy to say that she did, in fact, win the contest. So a hearty congratulations to Archean and Mad Scientist for taking that lovely title. Couldn't have happened to a shinier girl. Part one of our conversation begins now. This is Fetish Dynasty. Welcome to uh, Mad Scientist and Archean on FetLife, otherwise known as Matt and Marika. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Merry Christmas. How are you guys doing today? Good. Um, been doing some Christmas, early Christmas cooking. And oh, I was doing some late Christmas shopping. Oh, really? <laughs> now, now, do you guys take a break over the holidays or is there truly no rest for the wicked? I'm, I'm going to take a break. I don't know about Matt, but uh, I'm off for at least a day or two. We uh, actually had a, a large number of orders uh, earlier in December for people who were smart enough to put in their orders for Christmas right. nicely in advance. And we've... Uh, worked long and hard to get all of those out the door on time to actually be out to almost all of our customers on time. A few people who are in, you know, um, you know Taiwan are not going to get them on time, but right. um, we, uh, we were pulling late nights for about two weeks straight to make sure everything got out. And uh, I expect things to be a little bit slower until the new year, which is nice. Take a little bit of a break. Well, well until I mean, Boxing guys, Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I mean, you guys work like mad fiends, I'm, I'm assuming. I get that sense from you, like you don't actually take very much time off <laughs> no not really it's uh it's a lot of work to build a company so you know you you get pretty invested in it the the good news mm-hmm. is that i really enjoy what i do so it's it's not yeah. too bad working all these hours and we live and work in our studio so um right you know the commute is good yeah right. now I, now oh sorry go ahead sorry i i like to look at it like um one of those like sim city video games you know like it's it's actually a lot more fun to just sit down and work on the company than it is to, you know, sit down and play a video game for me. So I'm very lucky in that regard. I understand completely. So speaking of, of this company, a uh, nice little segue there. Uh, it's it's is it officially called Kink Engineering? What's what's the company the the, the overall company called? Well, there's there's a strange structure. We, we're technically we're incorporated as Elastica Engineering, and that's okay. sort of a parent company of everything else that we do. Um, so that keeps all our finances in check. Um, and then Kink Engineering is our brand for um, garments, bondage gear, um, anything else that's uh, really more in the fetish scene. 
-hmm. And then sheetlatex.com is our uh, brand for just latex sheeting and supplies for people who want to make uh, their own rubber. Gotcha. So kink engineering, I'm assuming that sort of takes, does it take up most of your time, would you say? I'd say the split is pretty 50-50. Sheet latex tends to take up most of my time. Matt does all of the uh, design work for uh, kink engineering. I'm just sort of starting to get into that. Um, so he does the vac beds and all of the, the cool bondage toys, and uh, I do all of the sheeting. Right. Now, how did, um, how did Elastica or Kink get, get its start? What was the origin of that? Well, we actually, uh, we've had an interest in latex for quite a while now. I have, at least. I brought Marika into her fetish. Right. Um, actually, I was really interested in hearing your previous podcast with Purple Wonder and, uh, mm-hmm. and her guy there. It's a, a similar story. You hear it all the time. Right. Um, and we ended up taking a course on building latex gear from Ego Assassin, who are just around the corner from us here in Toronto. And they right. build amazing cat suits and corsets and tops and bottoms and dresses and, and just unbelievable um, latex fetish gear. Uh, that's very runway quality. They're they're really high end. Yeah, they're fantastic. And uh, we took their course, uh, and I'd already dabbled in building some latex gear. I built a vac bed um, with some ideas that I wanted to improve the design, but I couldn't really <coughs> put the the ideas together the way I wanted to until I took the course with Ego Assassin and really figured out um, all the finer details of working with rubber. Um, mm-hmm. And that was. Um, getting on three years ago now, uh, and we pretty much got into business shortly after that because having the skill set that I needed coupled with the, the design sense and ideas, all of a sudden we, we became a company. And it was okay. part-time for um, about a year and a half, and now we've been uh, um, full-time for getting on over a year now. Gotcha. So it must have been a pretty cool day when you both quit your... <laughs> full-time or part-time jobs are like okay this is this is what we're doing we'd better get our asses in here uh yeah it, it was a it was a really good day um i actually followed suit about a month and a half after matt um getting into the company and well um, to be fair you had to finish up your schooling you were in grad school at the time for engineering so that's true yeah she had a thesis to defend and i was trying to deal with uh, a company on the side and a full-time day job in sort of a science education field. And uh, it, it was a, a very trying time as that the business was growing on the side, also having a day job. And I realized I couldn't do both. And I really wanted to do this one thing really well. So absolutely, it yeah, took a, uh, a big <clears throat> leap of faith. Yeah, I bet. I mean, I, I've been self-employed for the most of the last 10 years. And I'll tell you, once the genie's out of the bottle, it's hard to put it back. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, I just find myself um, doing everything possible to avoid having to get a job again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so how uh, you, your company now, the way I first learned of uh, kink engineering was um, looking for a vac bed. Okay. And uh, I still intend on actually placing an order in 2011, so uh, watch for that. <laughs> nice. And because uh, it's, it's the first time I ever experienced one was in uh, the Montreal Fetish Weekend. I think it was 2007. And it okay. just, I mean, it just blew me away. Uh, I loved them. So 
uh, they're certainly not a new thing out there, but what, what made you want to improve on uh, what was on the market at the time? Well, I, I saw my first VAC bed online on uh, LA-Texas site uh, in Germany. I think uh, Alexander Horn uh, yep. does the photography. Great, great site. Um, and as soon as I saw a VAC bed, I thought, that is the sexiest thing ever. I mean, it's, it's latex and it's perfectly tailored because it's stretch fit to the body. Yep. Uh, plus it's bondage and just sensual and amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... That I mean, I was still in uh, university at the time. I didn't have the funds to buy one, but I did look into it, and I kept on seeing reviews uh, of people talking about vac beds and saying it's great, but, and the but was always, well, it leaks. You know, you have to have the vacuum on all the time, so it's noisy, and I burnt out my vacuum cleaner, and, Mm. you know, there was always air whooshing around and that kind of thing. And I'm actually, I have a master's degree in mechanical engineering, and I thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. Um... So instead of buying a vac bed, I spent several years just dreaming about ways to make one better, you know, as, as engineers are known to do, you know, always yep. trying to invent a better mousetrap. Um, so when it actually came time that uh, Marika and I got together and started uh, having more of a fetish-based relationship, uh, I finally got the opportunity to either purchase or make my own vac bed. And I thought, well, I'm going to see if I can make some of these ideas come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, our first back bed was uh, a, a bit of a monster. It was it worked, <laughs> but it was it was it, ugly. It was a prototype. As as are most yeah. of our prototypes. I was actually just working on a prototype yesterday of a, uh, uh, a sleep sack crossed with a um, um, straight jacket. And fun. It, yeah, very fun. But you know, it, the the first pass at it is is a pretty clunky object. So. Yep. But now, but now I know what I've done wrong, and and so by the time it comes to the store, it'll be, you know, beautifully polished and have yes. all the details. So the first one was kind of ugly, but uh, but it did do what I wanted it to do, which was, you know, you could turn off the vacuum cleaner and it would hold right. its seal for you know at least five minutes, where you can get some play in, and then you turn on the vacuum cleaner for a few seconds and suction the little bit of air that's leaked in, mm-hmm. and uh, that made it a really enjoyable toy for the two of us to play with. It also sold me on latex. It did. Yeah. Interesting. Right tell in me, the deep end. A, yeah. Tell me about that, Rika. Um, well, I've always been a bit of a glam queen and a bit of an ex- exhibitionist, but I had never really been exposed to kink until Matt and I started dating. Um, it's getting on like four years now. And, um, you know, he very, very sheepishly uh, confessed to me that he <laughs> kind of sort of liked this latex stuff and asked me if it would be okay if he bought me a cat suit um, and uh, then showed me about, showed me this vac bed. And I think we actually played with vac beds before he got me in a cat suit. And it was just surreal because I'm a princess when it comes to comfort. And the nice mm-hmm. thing about vac beds is there's no one pressure point like when you have cuffs or rope you can get um you know like your your wrists will get um the circulation will get cut off and it's a little bit uncomfortable but vac beds are just so comfortable and relaxing Mm -hmm. and i was totally hooked right off the bat right you felt that sort of floating sensation right away yeah it was a really easy sell yeah i (laughs) the thing one of the i like to actually I've played in a few back beds since then, and one of the, my favorite things to do is to just to to turn it on and get sucked in, and then turn it off and just get the sucked in again, like that <laughs> that feeling when it finally just like the seal really clicks 
and it's like it it feels to me like I'm actually lifting off the ground. It's really really cool. Then you really like a vac cube then. Yeah, oh I was God. I was actually just going to say that's my favorite thing about doing demos, especially with the vac cube is mm -hmm. watching the look on people's faces when it gets suctioned down completely because yep. you th you think it's suctioned down all the way and it just keeps getting tighter and tighter and tighter and their eyes keep getting wider and wider and wider. Yeah. It's this yeah. There's a, a thousand liters of air in a in our vac cube. It's a meter by a meter holy by a meter. Holy. So it takes a good minute to to suction all the way down, and mm -hmm. usually about 45 seconds in, people's eyes light up because the sides are now grabbing them from all different angles and starting to stretch around their body. And then about 50 seconds in, they go, "Oh my god!" And they start giggling. <laughs> and Marika and I look at each other and then look at them and go, "You're not done yet." But there's more. Yeah, and then when it does finally grab them, the look on their face is priceless. In fact, I have some video coming up of Marika and uh, Tina Timebaum in a two-person stand-up vac cube. Um, and uh, there's a wonderful – we caught that moment on Tina Timebaum's <laughs> face when the, the latex finally grabs her at the end and her eyes open up yep. like a cartoon character. Uh, and she just starts giggling mercilessly. That's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, it's obviously the – you know, the the fact that you can turn the vacuum off, you know, that having the check valve in there is a, a major selling point for your beds. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can always, if, if you like the, the sort of pulsing feeling, you can always not use the valve and right. have that as an option. Gotcha. And they, uh, I've studied sort of how you did it in it. I mean, there's no way air can get out of there once it's, once it's all sealed up. Well, to be fair to, you know, our products, we're very honest about what we do. Um, they're not perfect perfect you, mm -hmm. you will get a little bit of air leakage around a net gasket or right. uh, or somewhere i mean there's there's not not no such thing yeah. as a perfect hermetic seal mm -hmm. um but in general if if you've taken the time to set up the bed well um you can get a good 10 minute 10 minutes I've, of play with the vacuum I've, I've had people tell me it's up to 15 um yeah. so yeah you, you, and you know well, it's like it's, it's like hypermiling in a car right you can do all these things yeah. it just perfect yeah. But totally. on average, you're getting five to ten minutes of play before you have to turn it on the vacuum. And when we say turn on the vacuum, we mean you turn it on, it goes and you turn it off. Yeah. Right. Just because of that last little bit. And then you get that pulsation again, that, that last mm -hmm. little bit of suction. So it works really well because you're not dealing with the vacuum all the time. Just once in a while, you check in on it. Gotcha. Um, and your neighbors upstairs aren't wondering why you're vacuuming at two in the Saturday. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> that is a really good point. That is a big part of why... I wasn't going to order a vac bed from someone else. When we started, I was living in a basement apartment. And uh, we had a little girl, like a seven year old girl, whose bedroom was right above ours. Oh, boy. <laughs> that's just an awkward conversation with her parents, yeah. you know? I had to build the yeah, stealth bomber of vac beds. Yeah, yeah, we're very fastidious people, um, you know, combined with OCD, and, you know, we like to vacuum at two in the morning. <laughs> so the. So you made the bed, you improved the mousetrap. Mm -hmm. what, at what point did you think to yourselves, you know what, this would be kind of cool in 3D and, and de design the cube? Well, I, I'd seen so there, were, there are other companies out there doing cubes, quite a few actually. Um, oh. And uh, we got a lot of requests to make cubes. Um, and I you know, sat down and looked at how the design would work. Uh, and then I wanted to say, you know, can I apply the same type of self-sealing vac bed idea to a cube? Because it does have some extra design problems to it. Um, 
And it took me about six months of hacking around the various things, sourcing out all the various parts that you need for the corner brackets of the tubing and uh, making sure everything worked, tightening up the, the way that we close the bed so that that doesn't pull open because there's a lot more pressure involved with the cube. Right. Uh, so it took a good six months of, of <clears throat> hacking around, uh, trying out different things. Um, and we actually... Uh, Usually one of the things we do in coupled with development is we do a performance. So a lot of our innovation comes out of uh, events that we go to. So we had uh, Torture Garden here in Toronto uh, last summer. And uh, we worked with a local uh, self-suspension rope artist, uh, Lotus Lily, to do a self-suspension inside a giant vac cube that we then hauled off the floor and used her as a giant chandelier. So wow. that was my uh, impetus to, to finish the design was to get right. that going. And I had to solve a lot of problems around that, which was great because once we had done that performance, I then solved problems far above and beyond what the average consumer is going to want in their product. So right. we now have a really solid product to put out. Gotcha. And is the demand being uh, up to your liking? Um, cubes uh, are not a huge seller because they are expensive. And they, you know they're expensive because they take a lot of time to build. There's a lot more yeah. seams. And, and with everything folding in on itself, it gets a little bit complex uh, in building it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you have to be very fastidious about the seams to make sure that under the stress it's under, it's not going to just pull apart. Right. Um, so because they're a bit more expensive, we're not seeing as many sales of those as vac beds, uh, the mm -hmm. standard lie-down kind of model. Um, and we actually find that the play in a lie down back bed is is a lot more a lot less strenuous a lot more enjoyable whereas yeah. the the cube is a real centerpiece kind of thing you know right. you can do yeah. really cool things bar. with a cube but it's it it's not quite as versatile as a back bed and i think right. that one of the reasons why it's not as popular as a back bed is because when somebody is in a back bed you can look at them and know okay this is what i can do to you whereas a cube mm -hmm. it's I, I'm going to catch you begin? You have, you have to sort of think outside the box. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> outside the cube, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, so you can have a lot more fun in a cube, but it's it's mm -hmm. a little bit more challenging to find ideas for how to play with somebody in a cube. Yeah, gotcha. But the cube is. Are you falling down down there? No, those are the cats. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, the uh, the cube is really good because uh, some of the photo shoots that we've done with the cubes have been really uh, mm -hmm. exceptional, and that brings people into the site and interested in vac cubes and vac beds. Yeah. And then if people can't afford the cube, then maybe they move down to a vac bed or they're yeah. buying sheeting to work on their own products. Yeah. Um, so, it's, you know, the higher-end like stuff a... sells the lower-end stuff as well. Yeah. Right. It's and almost think... like, a, like a concept car maybe for an auto automaker. Exactly. Well, exactly, and we've actually done a lot of sort of concept cubes, um, which mm -hmm. are a lot more fun uh, to build than like a, a concept back bed because you can do this crazy 3D thing. Like uh, one of the concept cubes that we did was a die, right? And right. that was just a huge success. And we did, um, for the Montreal Fetish Weekend this past year, we did uh, the companion cube from Portal. Um, and that was just a huge success, even if people didn't know what that was, you know, mm -hmm. doing cube demos is the most fun thing in the world. Um, gotcha. So I think people, people really respond to cubes a lot better, but they might want to buy vac beds a little bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah. where, do you, where do you put all this stuff once it's done? We're pretty much uh, custom building things for customers uh, as, as we go. Okay. So, so we are not dealing with a lot of stock, although we are moving to a larger facility in May of 2011. Great. Yeah. So we're actually ramping up 
Um, we've now moved from uh, Marika and myself doing all of the construction work. We now have a part-time employee who goes Whoa. by uh, Droidzy, who's also uh, uh, doing some design work for us yeah. uh, and some modeling for us, which is great. <coughs> so we've added another person to the fold. That's um, a big step. It is a big step. It's a you know all the time we're making these big scary steps of you know how yeah expanding the I mean, business more space means more rent so you know yeah. we have and, to do more every, work. And every month you're like oh shit payroll right <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> damn <laughs> so so uh, sort of to more on that, along those lines um, what what have been the the biggest challenges of uh, getting kink engineering in Alaska engineering off the ground. Uh, time management, really. Um, trying to manage the amount of time that I put into the business and also saving enough time to have a personal life and, uh, <laughs> uh, and a romantic life with uh, Marika. Uh, there, there was a time when I, when I was still working my, my day job and trying to build kink engineering on the side. And that, trying to be my boyfriend. And trying and trying to be a, a good boyfriend on the side. That Superman. Not you know what all three of those things could not really coexist. Um, yeah. Very well. I, I eventually said pick two of the three, and uh, <laughs> we now have kink engineering, and we're still together. So um, he chose wisely. Quit the day there job. Go. Yeah, quit your day job. Yeah. Uh, wise choice. Yeah. But it is tough because there's there's a big balance between filling orders and finding time to design new products and then finding time to develop um, shows and do photo shoots and just do promotional stuff like Absolutely. Um, we were gearing up for um, we did capital we did a big show for capital kink uh, in Ottawa mm -hmm. back in November uh, we're now gearing up to do a big show for Miss Rubber World um, in New York in Great. January um, I'm going to be competing in that, and uh, like we just we're trying to develop and produce, and it's it's a little dizzying sometimes. It's a lot of juggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Well, and I mean, I, you know, what I do for a living, it's if you're working, you can't be actually doing the business stuff, and if you're doing the business stuff, you can't be working. So you're constantly torn between the two modes. Yeah, exactly. I I find I'm split between administration and design. And production and marketing uh, constantly, and I need to. That, that the hardest part of the business is, is trying to pick who should be working on what parts of the business at any given time uh, to best use our personal skill sets. Gotcha. Uh, and it's it, it's a it's a big shuffle all the time. You know, we're mm -hmm. um, tr always trying to figure out how we can best use today. You know. Gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. When without driving yourselves into the ground too. Yeah. Well, we've gotten a lot better um, over over the past three years of in business. We've um, we've stepped up the the time frame of getting a vac bed at the door. Can be you know if we don't have any orders in 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 line, we're actually right now we're in a really good place. We have one cube to build, um, right. and that's it. That's all we have on our plate at the moment, which is miraculous. Uh, yep. A couple of weeks ago, we had about six vac beds to get out the door. So. Holy we went, we went yeah. crazy. Well, it was this weird Christmas rush time, plus yeah. uh, plus some development on the side of this giant vac bed that we just put up on FetLife and, uh, uh, yes. and and a new type of cube we call the monolith. So we were developing and producing all around the Christmas rush. We tend to be crazy sometimes. <laughs> um, 
So when things are, are, are quiet, we can actually get a back bed out the door in a week. Um, and right. the worst that we're going to do is, is about three and a half weeks, you know, from order to out the door. And, and some of that time is spent actually talking with our customers. That's my favorite part yes. of the business is when people order from us, it's not like you just give us your credit card number and pick a product off a shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you usually, especially with a back bed, you get an email back from us saying, well, we need a measurement of how tall you are and how big your neck is. And if you've got a penis gasket, we need to know, you know, how far yep. it is from your neck to your penis. You might be a uh, minute bowl. You might be uh, a midget. <laughs> we don't know. Totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and we actually try and solve a lot of the problems that, uh, you know, I've read a lot about the problems that have happened with people with back beds, you know, fits me, doesn't fit my wife, um, right. that kind of thing. So we actually talk with our customers quite a bit to make sure that what we send out the door is exactly what was, will work for you. Gotcha. Um, so usually a week of the process of getting a back bed built is the back and forth. Right. Um, you know, so there's always the back and forth with one or two customers at any given time, plus we're building for one or two customers at any given time, and then there's all the shipping and all that. So right. it's quite a process. Now, what's been the most fun so far? It's just sort of just generally speaking, what's the most the, the fun the funnest part of, of what you're doing right now? Go ahead, Marika. <laughs> Matt just, Matt knows I'm just waiting to jump on this. Um, for me, I would have to say it's the modeling aspect. Um, I love being in front of the camera. I love having an outlet to do really cool, exciting things um, with very talented people, and we're very, very, very fortunate to have. Um, a core group of photographers and other models who we work with. Um, and I think that that just makes my day to be really creative and then put it out there and have such a positive response to it. Right. Yeah. You, well, it gives you an opportunity to, you know, get the exhibitionist side of you. Yeah. And I mean, there, to right? be fair, I have a very serious latex problem. Um, <laughs> if I had an infinite <laughs> sum of money to spend on latex, it probably it wouldn't, be wouldn't be enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm actually, uh, I'm excited. I just got a new uh, cat suit from Ego Assassin for the Miss Rubber World competition. And I'm just excellent to, to be honest. I'll probably put it on tonight and prance around in the apartment. Just going, Oh, it looks so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Matt, you'll be, um, yeah, that's, you can keep that on. That's I'm fine, fine with that, yeah. Uh, yeah. I love, uh, the, one of the greatest moments of my life was when I discovered that my wife actually really liked it. Yeah. And she said, you know, I, that, I was just suddenly, I was like, you know what? It's all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so Matt, what's your so, favorite part then? Yeah, what's been the most fun? Um, well, I mean, uh, photo shoots are definitely, definitely fun because that's, those those days when people look at you and say, my God, you have a good job. And, you know, it's yep. 1% of the time where, you know, I get to hang around in a studio with five naked women in a vac bed. You know, it sounds really good. Bummer. Uh, yeah, it's tough, tough. <laughs> uh, but actually, actually, photo shoots uh, aren't, aren't the highlight for me because usually when I'm in a photo shoot, I'm in, you know, 120% work mode because yes. I'm – you know, hauling stuff around and building things and making sure everyone's safe and happy and 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 shined up. Yeah, exactly. Like you know, I'm the the director of of the shoot. So, yeah. you know, as much as I'm enjoying it while I'm there, it's also you know, by the time I come home, I'm flopping into bed and just <laughs> yeah. you know, dying of exhaustion. Uh, as is Marika as well, because she works mm-hmm. really hard at a photo shoot, whether she's behind the camera helping out or or um, in front of the camera. Yep. Uh, my favorite part is when I finally get something new 
out to the market or just one of the photo shoots that we've done for promo or just for fun out to the people in the community and I start to get that feedback of people yes. saying, oh my God, that's, that's, that's really artistic, that's really neat, I've never seen anything like that or this has really exposed me to something I've never seen before. And then I feel like I'm adding something to, to, to the community and I feel like I've you know, added value. And that's, that's right. my favorite part. Uh, I've always had a real penchant for performance and, and, um, and, and creation. Um, so that's where I get to finally um, have something that was inside my head thrown out there for the world to, to vote yes yeah. or no on and, and have people say, yeah, that's really cool. I'm glad that yeah. came out of your head is, yeah. is a really big feather in my cap. Absolutely. It must be deeply satisfying. I know it is for me with uh, photography and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cool to, especially if you're the type of person that's constantly thinking about, you know, the, a better way to do something or coming up with these concepts and actually executing them and seeing them come to fruition and then getting, yeah, that, that feedback is so fun. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part. Oh, mine, mine as well. That's, I mean, that's really what the business is about. I enjoy the whole process of getting there. Um, it, you know, to say that this business is, is just about making money would be a total lie because, you know, mm-hmm. so far we're, you know, we're just reaching the point where we're breaking even with the business now. It's no longer me just right. throwing my money into it to get it going. We're breaking even now. Um, and all of that's going into just expanding to offer more for our customers. So, uh, so, you're, it, so I can do more. Yeah, you're having beans with your rice now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's ramen <laughs> that's with a very small cup of wine. <laughs> awesome. Now, now what's, what's been the worst part? Um, well, there have been... Uh, you know some some very trying customers along the way um, mm-hmm. who've who've tried to pay with money that's not money and things like that. Right. Um, you know, there's a lot of very extreme personalities out there, yes. um, especially you know sometimes amplified by the fetish community, and mm-hmm. um, uh, th- that can be really trying to to remain patient and calm and businesslike in the face of sometimes people, you know really losing their shit over stuff <laughs> yeah um and politely standing your ground when you need to that's that's right. been tough at times and you know so, we, we've lost really, sleep over or orders where you know we've had to just kind of suck it up and 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 yeah. do things that we either are not making any money from or not very happy about and just yeah and, to just remaining professional yeah yeah you have to constantly remind yourself that <clears throat> You are not so much, you know, an, an individual in the scene, but you're representing your company. And as such, you know, there's there's a lot of opinions um, sometimes that, you know, you can't share when somebody is doing something stupid or, you know, there's mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of times where you have to take the higher ground. And, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, remind yourself that it's all for kink engineering. <laughs> there's yeah, also a absolutely. lot of, of risk in opening your own business and investing your own money in it. And yeah. um, so it's been, it's, it's taken a while to come to, ner- to terms with um, just living in a state of, of constant risk in a business. You know, I'm always yes. taking chances on how much quantity of sheeting should I order and trying to figure out. Exactly. Because uh, we are ordering from, uh, like Southeast Asia for our orders and shipping it by sea so that we can get yeah. the best kind of prices for North America. 
We're really trying to provide for North America like radical rubber is for Europe. Totally. And that, you know, that, that shit is heavy too. Yeah. It's the roll of rubber is heavy. We're, you know, our, our last shipment, uh, that came in was, uh, was over two tons. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, (laughs) you're dealing with the the financial risk uh, of bringing that stuff in and then, you know, someone's got to go out to uh, a warehouse out by the the loading docks near the airport, which for some reason it comes in by sea and then it gets on a train, then gets on a truck and ends up at the airport. Weird. <laughs> Don't ask me why that is. <laughs> we live right yeah. by a lake and they put it by totally. the airport. Um, yeah. And then I have to get in a truck and actually go out there and, and, and pick it up and, and bring it back and, and you know, it's all hands on deck, inside. load this in the freight elevators. And, you know, yeah. it's there there are times when... It all just seems like a hell of a lot of hassle to get something done. and It's a tough yeah. slog, like when you yeah. spend two, three days just cutting swatches and putting them in bags. Yes, um, absolutely. That's, that's the less glamorous part of the business. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the thing, too, with, uh, you know, being a supplier of any kind of um, commodity or, or bulk product, you know, you, you're going to have to sit on a, a lot of uh, money worth of inventory. Yeah. And, it, you know, and eventually it will pay for itself. Yeah. But uh, that upfront cost, I mean, it's, you know, that's a lot of cash to lay out. Yeah, and that's where I'm saying, you know, the business is finally kind of breaking even is we're ne- the, right. the business is now able to afford the next shipment gotcha. without without me personally injecting my own money into it, which is good because I have none. Uh, you know, <laughs> <Join the club. laughs> it's, it's all gone. So now's yeah. the time that this company is going to fly on its yeah. own. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, that, that kind of... Uh, um, day-to-day stress of, of, of that kind of thing has been has been the downside of the business um, mm-hmm. but so. it comes with a lot of uh, a lot more benefit um, our freedom to set our own hours you know be they right. they might be 24 hours a day but we can always take a break we can always um, go shopping when other people are at work we can um, yes we can make a lot of concessions that make it worthwhile yeah, yeah. I've I've gone out uh, recently to you know shopping you know, on like a Tuesday morning, because I can just do that. Yeah. And I, I'm amazed at all these other people that are out there. I'm just thinking, like, don't you people have jobs? <laughs> and they're looking what at you, you thinking, who's this guy? Exactly. What the hell are you doing here? It's actually yeah. surprising how many people are on alternative schedules. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's one of the things when we did decide to do this full time. We knew that, you know, financially we weren't going to be strong for quite a while. But we knew that we could sculpt our life lifestyle the way we wanted to um, mm-hmm. and that's that's worth a lot um, in terms of, of the way we live um, we get to, to live on our own terms which is really nice yeah it's a it's a great I every day I wake up without a boss is a is a good day <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so on the topic of uh, sheet latex mm-hmm. uh, how did how did that deciding to sell that how did that come about uh, that was actually a pretty obvious decision um, when we started making uh, vac beds. Mm-hmm. Um, we had uh, our friends at Ego Assassin had a contact for us. So, um, you know, we were able to contact our manufacturer directly. And um, they they had been contacted and thought, well, you know, we're a fashion company. We only use a yard or two, you know, in a six month span. But because it takes five or six yards to make a vac bed, it just made sense for us yeah. to start buying sheeting in bulk. Right. Um, we had a bit of a falling out with um, the other supplier in North America of latex sheeting. Just weren't happy yeah. with what they were doing. 
Uh, so we started ordering, you know, just modest amounts at first. I think our first order was something like 200 yards of latex. And yep, now yep. we're up to 3,000 yards per Holy order. Something, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it, it just, you know, we ordered what are 200 yards. We created a web store, put it up, and I mean, yep. the stuff sells itself. So. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's a nice uh, to to be able to both supply our own business and also it's it's opened up the the latex community in North yeah. America quite a bit because we're mm. we started offering. This was Marika's idea. She said, "Why don't we put together a kit with all the basic tools you need to get started making latex?" Because a lot of people might, you know, it, first of all, it takes a long time to just figure out where you can buy latex. Yeah. Uh, and then you're like, oh my god, I can actually buy latex on the internet and get it sent to my house? That's awesome. So you, yep. you get a yard of latex and you do something with it, right? Or in my case, I bought several yards of latex and built my own back bed and that got me rolling. But <laughs> what I didn't know is that you know, when you're working with latex, you probably don't want to be using regular scissors. You want to be using a rolling cutter because you get a much yeah. better cut and you yep. need a cutting mat and you need to use and this like, type of glue. And Yeah, what type of glue? And How do you prep yeah. the seam and how do you clean the seam and how do you make sure that it's clean and smooth and all this kind of thing and, and you know just little the little pieces that you need if they all came in one box that would make life a lot easier so we said Absolutely. why don't we put all these together in one box yeah uh, and we, we priced it to be reasonable we don't make a huge profit on the kit but what it does is it creates customers for us and it creates a community people who couldn't afford to buy latex from design right. houses can now make their own panties it's not hard uh, right. or, or wristbands or, or something like that, or get creative and try making hoods and all sorts. You know, We have some yeah. people who want to make a cat suit on their first project out, and we, we warn them against it, but wish them luck. Yeah. I know one of those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she actually did a not bad job. But, uh, you know, like you say that some people take to it like a duck to water, and some people yeah. uh, not so much. And the, the people who don't do very well in their crafting with latex in their first try, at least come out with a better understanding of why latex is as expensive as it is exactly. for good quality. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I think that's that's really important, sort of tying into the knockoff knockdown thing. A lot yeah. of people who can't afford latex from the traditional design houses in North America and Europe um, are going to Chinese latex manu manufacturers because it's cheap uh, right. and they can afford their fetish, but they're not getting the quality that, that mm -hmm. they might be wanting or they're getting a knockoff product that's kind of hurting yeah. another designer. Um, right. And so we wanted to, to offer something that would help build more community around designers in yeah. North America. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that, you know, the, the, the customers who have the money and who don't want to be bothered with all the, the, the details and the difficulty of making it, will just they'll just order what they want and they'll like it. And the people that just simply you know, can't afford it, but who have time on their hands mm -hmm. and uh, the desire to make it. I mean, it's like you, it's a, it, it, you're, you're, what you've established there to, from a business standpoint um, just seems like a really smart thing. You provide finished product and the material to make the product. Yeah, it's, it's so. helped us spread ourselves over a wider segment of the latex market. If we just made mm -hmm. back beds, you know, we wouldn't be able to afford our rent because, you know, vac right. beds are great and they sell and they're, um, you know, they, they give, give me the chance to do, you know, a couple of days of work to get it built. But right. uh, it wouldn't fill all of our time. 
You know, so we yeah. need to find other avenues to expand the business and and look outside of just what we traditionally were doing. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, at, at the end, at the, sorry, at the end of the day, you know, your the time that you spend on any product or, or you know individual piece divided by or whatever the do the math of the how much you pay. I mean, you have to make a certain amount of money an hour. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> to actually pay the rent. We have the occasional uh, cat chase is happening up here. <laughs> we've hit we've hit cat chasing ta- uh, time of night. Yeah, yeah totally. So, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, just just selling the sheeting alone um, has greatly uh, increased the amount of designers. Just in Toronto, even you know, a lot of people are making all their own latex clothing. Um, like Matt said, if they're not making their clothing, then they try to support local designers as much as possible and. We've seen in the last year the amount of designers um, or even just hobbyists in Toronto, in Ontario, in Canada in general just explode. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. There's actually sort of a third segment. You're talking about people who would buy latex from a design house and people who maybe can't afford it. But there's a third segment. Uh, who maybe can afford to buy stuff from Ego Assassin or Itsuko uh, Kudo or whatever, um, but creative people who uh, you know have backgrounds in uh, pattern drafting and that kind of thing who want to try out their creative ideas, who yeah. want to make something to then send out to the community. And that's part of what we do. I mean, we love building creative things and sending out photos to the community and saying, look what we built. And totally. a lot of people sort of see that as a, as a bit of a challenge, like, yeah, I can make something really cool like that too. Yep. And yep. we love seeing it. We love seeing some of the crazy stuff that people have built uh, from our supplies. It's really, it's really cool to be able to foster that environment. It's a way to I... increase innovation by challenging people to step up their game. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I, I think I probably fit mostly into that last category mm-hmm. of just wanting to, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm a customer and really happy with with the product and i you know i imagine my delight when i found out what you were doing as i'd previously bought latex from the other supplier mm. <laughs> south of the border and i was just really disappointed and uh, can you imagine when i was like holy crap there's another supplier they're in canada and it's way better like well beauty yeah we, we <laughs> we're really sticklers about uh, a few things. You know, our designs have to be sleek and functional, and our latex has to be really good quality, um, and, and our customer service has to be completely, you know, flawless. Like, we have to be really good to our customers and really track things down. Even to the yeah. point, if, if our web store kind of screws up and charges people too much for shipping, and we send out a package and it's like, oh, that only costs $15, me charge you 18 without asking, we give $3 back to our customers, that right. kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, because we want to set ourselves apart from a lot of the other companies out there that really seem a lot more interested in making the most amount of money off each customer instead of creating a customer that cares about your company and will come back. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're people who care about people. It sounds pretty cheesy, but, you know, we actually like getting to know our customers a little bit. And when we see someone come back after buying a kit and suddenly they're buying five or six yards of latex uh, and telling us that they're trying their first inflatable um, design, you know, and we're like, wow, you know, three months ago you bought a kit and didn't know anything and now you're trying to make inflatable stuff. That is awesome. (laughs) You're insane. Yeah, no, and (laughs) again, we advise you to take baby steps, but, you know, We've seen start people, with panties. 
yep, we've seen people jump out of the gate into crazy big projects, and we've seen people, you know, we've seen people make panties that that fold in on themselves and don't actually function. You know, one like whole one like whole panties. You know, like well, it was right. a good try. <laughs> yeah, keep trying. Yeah, it's a bandeau now. I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So speaking of quality and, and knockoffs and stuff, you have this um, uh, website pro- slash project about uh, Chinese knockoffs. Isn't it called the Knockoff Knockdown blog? Yes. Yeah. And so tell actually, me what that's about. Well, I'm going to start by correcting something there. It's not about <clears throat> Chinese knockoffs, actually, mm. uh, because we, we don't actually have anything against, uh, you know, China. China. Uh, the the, our our problem is, and largely there's a lot there's there's several larger companies that that take other companies' designs like Libidex designs and are willing to just make an exact replica, and um, not just take their designs but actually steal their images by and large. Wow. Um, so we're trying to really just expose. We're doing a little bit of journalism here. We're trying to expose right. what these companies are doing, which is. They're cutting out a whole chunk of the business. Like as we were talking about what makes this business difficult and hard, part of it is dividing up your time. And a big part of our time is design and marketing and, mm-hmm. and getting photo shoots done, uh, you know, making a, a product once. R&D and stuff. All the yeah. R&D stuff, right? Which is, you know, it's yeah. like a third of your time is spent on that. And yeah. these companies are like, well, we're just not going to do that. We're going to use everyone else's R&D and, uh, and, and just yeah. produce whatever anyone asks for. And we don't think that that's very morally sound. No. Um, and, and it hurts designers who have spent that time. And I think in the long run, it's going to create less companies that are trying to create amazing stuff like us and Ego Assassin and Polymorph right. and Libidex and Azuka Kudo and um, um, Pretty Pervy. HMS. Yeah, HMS, yeah. 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 So, and we've seen all of those people ripped off by one company or other but not all of them are in china we've also seen uh companies popping up um all over north america and europe and uh Uh, there's one in toronto even Hmm. well i'm not gonna give that one away because we need we still have some digging digging to do on them Uh, (laughs) because we do we actually contact companies and say you know oh hey would you mind making a perfect copy of this libidex cat suit for us and what would that cost and so on and if they get back to us and say, yeah, sure, we'll do that for you at a really cheap price, then <laughs> we're perfectly willing to you know, publish that email <laughs> yeah. and say, well, yeah. there you go. Now that you know totally. who these people are and, you know. Yeah. And, you know, well, there I- are things that you need to watch out for as a designer, like saying something along the lines of, oh, I can make that dress for you. Um, you know, another designer's work. Mm-hmm. Um, We'll get you a little email from the knockoff knockdown team. Just pursuing that, you know, not not everybody's dishonest about it, but no. yep. um, it's. I think it's a language thing that people need to watch out for. That's totally, because the fashion industry uh, doesn't have standards for copyright protection in general. Like, mm-hmm. um, there's there's a lot of usage. Let's say, um, well, I want to say, can make a little black dress. Yeah. Too. Yes. Yeah. You know, and I and I don't have a problem with any you know companies making cat suits and back beds and and stuff like that. But when you get into the specifics of someone who's really put some time into making something that's art, it just seems a little bit crass to to take yeah. their design that they've worked really hard on and then immediately undercut them. And I mean, the turnaround time on companies getting undercut on their own designs is getting so short. 
uh, it's it's you know a week later you can find a design that's brand new from HMS is a week later. yeah like yeah um, because these Ouch. well I mean we get Christmas card I get a Christmas card from uh, Slick Dot Latex in China who's a major knockoff artist they send it to my mm -hmm. email address you know <laughs> like they obviously know who I am they found my site yeah. they've they've ripped my email off of my own website and added it to their uh, mailing list which I did not ask to be added to wow. you know like they're just out there seeking out like scrambling around trying to uh, their business model appears to be you know, one customer, one sale, one thing, and get oh. it, you know. Well, they, yeah. they were actually the ones who contacted Kink Engineering directly saying, if you want to send us your designs, we can make them for you at a fraction of your cost, send them out to you, and you can pretend like that's Kink Engineering from now on. And we said, well, you know, great, but then we're going to have to find real like a, not real jobs but other jobs because you're putting us out of work and right. what's to say yep. that you're not going to then undercut us to people who go directly to you well exactly well you send them all your stuff they reverse engineer it and start next thing, cranking it out yeah exactly. uh, we've actually there's a an article i'm writing right now for knockoff knockdown about a pretty pervy fox cat suit a continuation of that where right. i've actually I've found that, yeah. a company i've actually got something from pretty pervy that they've written uh, I've actually got something from someone who is a middleman who did a design similar to Pretty Pervy, sent it to the Chinese knockoff people to make for him because he couldn't afford to make it in Australia. And then he was going to sell it on his site at sort of a halfway cost. And actually, right. it seems like he had very good intent. Um, you know, he was just using a traditional outsourcing kind of model for, for his, his design work or, right. or his production work. Uh, but then rapidly found that the company turned around and was selling his design on their site at a fraction of the cost of what he yeah. was and able to sell it for right so and what what are you going to do are you going to go over there <laughs> you know, exactly <laughs> right and 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 he's in, a, in an especially hard gray area because he's already traipsing on the borderline of what was pretty pervy and what's not you know yeah. uh, and he explained that pretty well the nice thing is i mean i'm getting in touch with these people and trying to dig a little bit deeper and sometimes it means a bit of subterfuge of saying like i'm a potential customer who would like to buy this thing yeah. But once the chips are down, before I publish anything, I actually speak to the people and say, look, I'm going to publish this. Do you want to add more information? Do you want to? Like, I'm not yeah. going to not publish it, but I, I do give people their, their chance. You know, I've got gotcha. you. Now here's your chance to tell me why you're doing it this way. And in this case, okay. I thought I had got someone, and it turns out that he had <clears throat> a very compelling story and reasons behind what he was doing. Um, right. So it's a you know the reason this one hasn't come out yet is I'm having trouble piecing all the strings of it together. It's a very complicated marketplace out there. I bet. Right. So we're trying so what, to disambiguate all that. There's just so many people who look like they might be a knockoff company but aren't, and people who look like they're legitimate but aren't. Mm -hmm. um, yep. You know, it's it's very tough because a store can be saying that they're selling Libidex cat suits. They they buy them and resell them, but in fact, they're buying the Chinese knockoffs cat suits and reselling them as Libidex. And then, you know, wow, right? And that's yeah. another point that's really damaging to market. the designers because you think that you're buying Libidex, and then you get lesser quality latex, and you think, mm -hmm. you know, hey, Libidex sells like crap latex. Yeah. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Well, the I mean that this phenomenon is certainly not limited to uh, latex design. Absolutely not. I mean, uh, anytime you've gone into a, a you know Home Depot or something like that and saw you know my the example I always bring out is you know the the eighteen volt cordless drill with two batteries for like thirty dollars, and I'm yeah. just like, what? How is that? How is that even possible? And you know, of course, I I bought one once. And, you know, three uses later, it was, I couldn't even use it anymore. The batteries wouldn't charge. It was crap. Yeah. You know, but someone had taken a, a, a drill, shipped it over there. They'd taken it apart, reproduced all the parts, slapped it together in a shoddy fashion. And, and now it's, you know, it's like the, it's the Walmart phenomenon, yeah. right? And the problem is that the, the company that makes the $99 cordless drill that yeah. will last you 20 years. Yeah can't compete how do you compete right. with that you exactly can't. right i mean you could almost buy and throw away <laughs> those uh the 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 knockoff drills as you go yeah except that you still can't because you you know to last 20 years you'd need to buy 50 of them yeah yeah right and and of course anyone who's bought it bought a cheap tool will never do it again yeah yeah so, well what we're especially... worried about the reason we want to bring this up very publicly and this is and we've got, gotten really strong response uh um, and sometimes, you know, people not liking what we're doing, but usually people really enjoying what we're doing with knockoff, knockdown, is um, we're trying to educate people so that people who have a latex fetish don't get stuck getting a really crappy cat suit on their first go out, right? And feel like they're throwing money into the wind to try and feed their fetish, and and not yeah. knowing that you can get stuff that works and and is functional and beautiful and makes you feel the way that you thought you could feel when you thought about Absolutely. latex, right? Yeah. Because I hate to see customers converted into non-fetishists or people who yes. just think their fetish isn't uh, possible right. uh, as opposed to working with a company that, that is reputable and cares about their customers and is going to you know, help them foster their fetish in a, in a, in a positive and creative way. Because I think we're all aware that you you know if you've got a very strong latex fetish, you you're not going to repress it. It's uh, no, nope. you know, yeah. it's not and like. I tr- unfortunately, I, I think the <laughs> nature work. of um, the nature of this industry is that you you tend to get screwed over by a lot of companies, and mm-hmm. um, it's it's really easy to start a company, and it's really easy to start a bad company, and there are a lot of them out there. Yep. Um, so, you know, the more we can do to let consumers know who the good companies are, you know, and that's not necessarily saying that you have to buy from us, but, you know, know who you're buying from. I think we're doing a big service yeah. to everyone. Well, and we're starting to see that happen, too. People are forming groups on FetLife, reviewing companies and uh, right. and sharing their experiences, which is good. And I mean, even people saying, I had a good experience with a Chinese knockoff latex company. Well, mm-hmm. it's more information, you know. Uh, yep. if, if the Chinese companies that we feel are knockoff artists would start creating their own designs and doing high-quality work, and if they did it cheaper hey. than us... I, I have nothing bad to say about that. They put us all out of business. They they yeah. probably would, but you know, yeah. well, probably not, not because you know what? If if they're doing their own creative designs, it's going to be different from the creative designs that we are doing. Yeah, fair. Right? Exactly. So we'll always and then, have, and you know, if it's an artist community, it can work. If it's a theft community, it's it's a problem. Yeah, exactly. So how, how do we find out? Uh, where do we find the the, the Knockoff Knockdown website. What's the the web address? It's uh, Knockoff Knockdown, all one word. 
dot tumblr dot com. It's actually a Tumblr blog. Okay. Um, you can Tumblr spelled T U M B L R. Correct. Yes. Um, you okay. can. We'll, we and we always reblog that on the uh, Kink Engineering blog, and Archean puts that out on her uh, Archean Universe blog. Right. Um, and we usually throw that around on FetLife quite a bit as well. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll certainly put all these links um, on the Fetish Dynasty podcast page as well. I apologize. We have far too many websites. Uh. <laughs> I know. Hey, you're talking to the wrong guy here. Yeah. Oh, my God. I just buy URLs for fun. Yeah, so. pretty much. We actually, well, <laughs> we have a, a URL that we've purchased that we're not using yet, but we have very big plans for, for yeah. uh, rubberlesque.com. Oh, rubberlesque. Yes. I like it. We, we got both of them. We got the one spelled rubber and the one spelled rubber, as in burlesque. Right. Yeah, so. Um, Excellent. And we're going to be putting together some <laughs> really fun um, artistic um, video and, and photo productions, uh, hopefully bringing together uh, a lot of the people who are doing great work uh, in the community, um, other companies and individuals. Um, Right. Uh, to to just try and promote latex in a in a less sexualized way, uh, still right. in a fetishy way, still in a sexual way, but not in a pornographic sort of realm. Gotcha. Wow. So that that that's probably the only reason I would ever want to live in Toronto <laughs> would be to be able to collaborate with you guys. <laughs> it's it's by no means limited uh, to no, to just yeah. Toronto. It's something that we're going to start go. with some of the people that we are close to here, yeah. but it's the the goal of that is not to sell any one company, but just to promote um, promote latex community and bring something right. back to the people who do support us through purchasing our gear. Um, you know, we, we we like to give back as much as as much as we take. Many thanks to Kink Engineering for their time. Part two of my conversation will be published in a few weeks. Until then, keep that latex shiny. So long, bunch of perverts. <laughs>